0: Right, good evening, everyone, and welcome to 801 Critical Conversations Beyond Backstage. And with this evening's breaking news episode here, we we kindly interrupt our call to action series with uh this this uh special episode here that we had to introduce uh mid-series. Uh I feel like we need that little sound bite of dee. dee, dee, dee." What's how's that go? Breaking news, breaking news. Anyways, we'll insert that later. Uh, so we have a, a very special guest here uh, with us uh, that, that prompted this uh, Breaking News episode. So uh, I'd like for her to introduce herself, uh, Mary.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm Mary Fader. I'm an audio engineer, theatrical audio engineer based in Rochester, New York. Uh, the last show I worked on was the touring production or the last large production I worked on (laughs) was the touring production of Fiddler on the Roof. Um, Yeah, and that's pretty much it.
0: (laughs) That's great, that's great. Thank you for being here, Mary. Uh, Thank you for having, uh, uh, for gifting us some of your time this evening to uh, participate in this. We're very thankful, um, because we're here to talk about kind of a, a special experience that you had this past summer here. Uh, I say that as if summer has ended yet, yeah, but uh, just a little while ago, uh, you just came off of, uh, of a summer summer festival uh, that provided you with quite a special experience. Where is it that you were working?
1: Yeah, um, I was an over hire uh, for the load-in of Rowe at Williamstown Theater Festival um it was a two-week contract that ended up being a three and a half week contract about
0: wow so williamstown theater festival uh i'm sure that our listeners can understand why this is such a special episode because when that moment happened there was certainly a lot of buzz that went around in our industry and uh rightfully so for many reasons it was talked about um but we're not here to kind of spread any rumors we're we're just here to just uh hear the facts of of what what happened um so i know that uh john jen and i heard through the grapevine and read different articles as far as what went down on that special day uh but before we talk about the day itself mary why don't you give us an idea of what was what was the festival life like before that day? How, how did the season kick off? Uh, uh, maybe anything that start, happened before the season, if anything, but kind of give us an idea of what was life, uh, especially post COVID, uh, what was life at the festival like?
1: Sure, yeah. Um, normally, from what I was told, they have a big um, welcoming party for everybody that shows up, but because, um, Williamstown was doing a good job at handling the COVID situation. Um, The employees slowly rolled in. So uh, everybody came slowly in to Williamstown, Massachusetts, and did a two-day quarantine. Um, And that was fine and dandy. they decided that their season was not going to be indoors, uh, but they were gonna do all of their shows outdoors, which I believe they had done before to a small scale, but not to the degree that they did it this summer. So um, the show I was working on Roe was at an art museum on a reflection pool, um, which was, Unlike anything I had ever worked on, um, no roof over the actors' heads. Everybody was completely or pretty much completely exposed to the elements. The only things that were covered on the show were the equipment. So we had, I believe, three tents for all of the sound and electrics equipment. Um, And then we would set up tech tents. and everything had to be broken down every night because of the art museum's aesthetic wants and needs. So we were both working around what Williamstown Theater Festival wanted for us to do as well as the Clark Art Institute and what they wanted us to do.
0: And and Mary, just uh, to kind of give us a sense of scope for those of us that have never been there before, but um, I guess let's let's backtrack a bit to your two days of quarantine. Uh, was that at your housing on site?
1: Yes, so housing on site is um, college dorming. Um, the only thing I really remember is it was a heat wave uh, in Massachusetts, we had some really unfortunate weather with heat and rain. So it was Dorming, uh, no AC, obviously up north. We don't do that in the dorms. Um, and it's not a great living situation. I have never gone to college in a traditional sense. So I didn't have any idea what dorm life was going to be like. Um, but because I was over hire, they gave me more um, than what like their interns would have. So I got like a big box fan and I got all my own linens, which I was told by some of the um, lower level workers that they didn't even get a box fan in their dorms, which was kind of bizarre. Mm.
0: And, and what was the commute like between dorm and museum?
1: Um, you could walk if you needed to, um, but nobody did. The walk would be 15 to 20 minutes. Um, so we had cars. I was able to get, like I said, for some reason the over-hires at Williamstown get more perks than an educational level person would. Um, I don't wanna use the word intern because from 2019 to 2021, they changed their educational system and the way that the, the levels of the jobs work. Um, so a lot of the issues that were happening this summer were them trying to navigate an entire n- new structure for the whole festival.
2: So you had you hadn't worked at Williamstown before this summer.
1: I had not. Um, I have never done. This is the closest thing I've done to a summer stock, in the traditional sense. Um,
2: gotcha.
1: I, <laughs> have, yeah, um, I am at this point a touring person. So to to even take this job was doing a favor for some people. I really wanted to meet some people. Um, it was a good way to get some connections. I made a lot of good friends there. Um,
2: but, and also, you know, our industry is on its side, right? Like right. the pandemic's still happening, even though in some places it feels like it's not, it's still happening. so. Right.
1: Absolutely, um, yeah. The the COVID aspect of everything was the least of our concerns because we were getting tested, and they were they had the money to make it safe COVID wise, um, and that the worst part was the hours and the wages, (laughs) you know, (laughs) um, I was getting $15 an hour. Um, and after said walkout, I was bumped to 17 an hour retroactively. So we all got paychecks back into our account. Um, but no, I hadn't I hadn't worked at Town. I knew nothing about it really other than one of my crew members from tour worked there. And he said, if you don't stay the whole summer, you'll be fine. He's like, two weeks, you'll be able to handle it, um, meet some people, get it on your resume. So I wasn't too worried because it was only two weeks for me. That ended up being three weeks. Um, Can
3: you talk a little bit about what the difference is that you knew going into it between a tour job, other than a tour job is touring, right? But what's the fundamental difference between touring and a a summer
1: stock? Right, Um, even touring versus regional theater, um, the biggest thing for me is that I'm protected under the union on a tour. Um, I'm an IATSE member. I still paid my dues in 2020, uh, <laughs> I paid my dues in 2021. Um, when I'm not unionized and I'm at a regional theater or at a summer stock, I'm my own representative essentially. Um, and when you aren't unionized, your contracts are pretty much not contracts. They you sign something, but it never feels completely set in stone, uh, because everything's at will, and um, yeah, so that pretty much safety is a big one on tour. Things are relatively safe, depending on where you're going in the country. Um, You get breaks, you get your breaks, and they are guaranteed, and in most uh venues you cannot work through those breaks or people get mad at you which is rightfully so go sit down use the bathroom get your water (laughs) um but at regional theaters at summer stocks a lot of the time there's this uh narrative that they don't have the money uh they don't have the money for you to take care of yourself um which at Williamstown feels counterintuitive because you're working with, Sound was working with, I think, a $1.1 million system across the board, across the three shows. So I could see the money right in front of me. (laughs) Um, So Williamstown is kind of its own special, not a gem, but its own thing because they have the money, they they have uh, agreements with the sound shops to get a discount um, that were solidified, I think, like 20, 30 years ago. Um, so it's they're, they're a deep-rooted uh, theater group that a lot of people support blindly or even knowingly thinking that you have to pay your dues or Something like that,
0: Mary. Can you give us an idea of the? I guess let's just focus on on your on on the sound department. Can you give us an idea of the hierarchy structure that that was there or not there as far as uh, employees go?
1: Yeah. So when I arrived, I arrived the last week of June. So I started working the first week of July, and there was. Um, a sound manager and an assistant who, in my mind, they were similar level to me. Um, Mostly, because if we're talking financially, in most theaters across the country, if they're not unionized, these managers are stipend or they have like a salary, but they're working way more hours than me. So they end up getting paid hourly way less than I am. Um, to be full disclosure, they were making, most of the heads at Williamstown were making 750 a week, I think, um, to manage a full team of college students or college grads to put on a full production, like a full pro- professional production. Um, So they weren't getting paid a lot. Nobody was getting paid a lot. Um, And along with those sound managers, there were um, a small amount of sound crew. They split the sound crew up per show. So Roe had a few people working on that specific show. Um, Two weeks later, when tech was um, starting to come around, the sound designers showed up um, and I got to meet them and have a casual dinner with them and we talked a lot about how the industry was changing and how the pandemic had affected us. Um, So going into tech, and into the show, I really felt like everybody was on my side with morals, ethics, all of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I really felt like the structure of the sound team, even though we were set up for failure, we were all on each other's sides from the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and going into tech, uh, I've seen a couple of pictures of the museum and of that reflection pool area. And because it is a, a non-traditional space, uh, what I wasn't able to see really is where the quote unquote stage was and the audience was gonna be. So uh, it seems like a lot of area that needed to be covered. Uh, can you give us that an idea of, of scope of what's kind of like the, the square footage we're trying to cover here? Cause it looks big.
1: Yeah, um, so... I'm trying to think of numbers. Uh, There was a lot of speakers. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think of the size of the stage, but the reflection pool was massive. And the way that the stage was set up, um, they wanted all of the characters to be socially distanced um so you can imagine i think it was a cast of 12 maybe uh so the stage was at least 100 feet wide because or maybe i'm over exaggerating a little bit but it was a very wide stage um which for on a for a south perspective that's a lot of width to cover with speakers
0: um that's a lot of cable to run too
1: A lot of cable to run. Um, We did have an external electrical company coming in very often making sure that nothing we were doing electrically was going to be unsafe, um, which was fine. So on that side of running the cables, I didn't feel unsafe with that. Um, There was a lot of back and forth, wasting a lot of time because of miscommunication from higher ups, from managing this external company. Um, the technical director, I believe quit from pre-pandemic to post-pandemic. So, um, I believe she quit. There were a lot of people from rubber management that were done with Williamstown going into this new season. So there were very new people running a team. And...
0: A team no- of also new people. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. So they, they have the manager stay pretty much. They try to hire from within... Um, got a dog (laughs) Uh, they tried to hire from within on a management perspective Um, like within the first week the manager asked me if i wanted to be the next manager for the next season so
0: (laughs) wow wow okay um so we've gotten a a sense of the the space we're trying to cover here the performance space got a sense of the team uh and, and so we're entering tech week. Uh, I know the, the peak of that moment was July 14th. Uh, how, how much before that day did tech start?
1: They want, um, I was supposed to leave Williamstown but once tech started, um, which is pretty typical. For an overhire. Um, when they told me that they wanted me to stay another week because they wanted me to stay around for tech, um, that was already a red flag. Um, because normally an overhire helps get the show up and running, and the audio crew who's running the show stays. You have the sound designer their assistant, you have the A1 who's running the board, the A2, and for this show they had two extra people who were kind of like interns. Um, So I would have thought that I wasn't even supposed to be involved in the beginning. Um, What I was doing was I was standing around for a lot of it (laughs) once tech started happening. Um, And it was so rainy that everything kept getting pushed. So there were a lot of days where we were trying to get things done and they wanted us to be there. They wanted us to show up, but we ended up just standing around waiting for the call to start working or we would start working, uncover all the speakers oh, it starts raining, we have to cover them again. So it just felt like we were driving ourselves insane with trying to get tech going. And it was an extensive setup. It was an extensive breakdown. Um, One of the things I forgot to mention is that we could not get into the space to work until 5 p.m. So usually we would start, that That would totally suit my mind. Usually we would start prepping around three. Um, So we were not able to work or tech until nighttime, which for people that don't know how the normal tech process works, it's usually a 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. kind of thing. The actors don't usually work at night until performances.
0: <laughs> so you'd work until the nighttime, you said. But what? when would you wrap up then as oh, a technician?
1: very, very late. I, I remember being, because we couldn't keep any of our stuff at the Clark at night, other than whatever was under the tent, we had essentially like U-Haul trucks that went every single night with, it was two large U-Haul size trucks that went from the Clark to um, the theater on the college campus. And we would either unload things and get a little bit done. But yeah, we were done around like 1am, 2am, 3am. So it was very tiring and then you're going back to a dorm um the food areas weren't open for us to use so feeding oneself was difficult there were a lot of aspects of just like basic living that were really difficult
0: Mm -hmm. so from what i'm hearing so far to recap your base you're Based on the size of the space that you're covering, which is rather large, you're kind of understaffed, uh, you're underpaid, you're working 12, a little less than 12-hour days sometimes, uh, you're ending the day very hungry with your basic livings and not being so great, uh, weather is completely against you. Uh, when it comes to heat or rain and all this is I can only imagine kind of surmounting itself in everybody's head not just your own and it's kind of beginning to take a a toll on on every individual um and so we get to July 14th. so tell us about tell us about that infamous day and and how that all started and how it all went down then
1: yeah uh The day started really well, and we had good weather. Um, A lot of the times, no matter what the weather looked like, they pushed us to at least get into the venue, get started as much as you can. Um, One thing to mention is because we had all of these delays, um, at this point, they were losing money. Um, from from what I believe, they were losing tickets from pushing the event further and further. So artistic director Mandy was really pushing us. She was like, we have to do this. We have to do this. Um, So we started to get lightning and thunder all of a sudden, very quickly, to the point where the designers were helping us break things down and getting inside. And normally, maybe not normally, but a lot of designers white glove it because there's enough crew and they can. Um, And we were all soaking, went inside um, and the higher ups told the crew that they weren't allowed to stay in the auditorium for some reason, they were like, "Oh, the auditoriums for the actors and the musicians, not you guys." And I, was, I was like pissy, you know. I, <laughs> I was a little pissy when people disrespect the whole crew. It's like, oh, it's all of you guys are lesser than
0: it's segregated.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, and at this point, I hadn't like been involved with the cast at all um, and nobody higher up knew my name. I don't, Mandy didn't know my name until there was an LA Times article with my name in there, I bet, like, um, so it was raining real hard, and they wanted us to go out because there was a little bit of a dry spell, so, I'm huffy and I go and start uncovering things and then it immediately starts raining down. And so the designers at this point are like, well, they made this decision to have you guys, like there was at this point, a lot of confusion, frustration, who told you to do this? Why did they tell you to do this? They're sacrificing a lot of money. Um, And so we all ended up having to go and cover everything back up again, um, which made sense because everything was getting soaked. Um, And so it was another 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes of standing around. And it was continuing to lightning. They wanted us to kind of continue to work. So instead of just staying inside, we were all standing outside, kind of unsure of what we were supposed to do. Kind of just like hanging out on the benches right outside the building. Um,
3: you're outside in the rain and the lightning.
1: Yeah, well, so they there was not active lightning within eyesight, but it was within the five mile radius.
2: Because um, you're next to a pool.
1: And ex- exactly, and the pool is massive um so at this point I just want to get dry and so I was like you know what like I just want to drive back to the dorms get a fresh pair of clothes on and then I'll be back um because our dinner break ended up bleeding into this like lightning time so we were not working for like four hours so I was like, I'm soaking wet. We haven't done anything in hours. I'm gonna get dry and somebody higher up like an upper management was like, you can't do that. Or like, we, we're we gonna start at, like soon. So at this point, I was crying. A few of the sound people were crying. We were all emotional and frustrated. Um, so I walked out, um, my sound manager, told the other overhire to walk with me. So it was kind of at that point the managers were like, if we could walk out, we would. And then so I went back to the dorms um and kind of started celebrating with the other overhires that were home. Uh and then I got a text which was like 30 minutes after I walked out from the sound manager saying, we all walked out, including the designers. Um, So that was very exciting (laughs) to find out that, um, because it felt, I was really shaken up and frustrated when we walked out and people just stayed and watched us um and then to find out that the designers were okay with it actually right before i left the designer took me aside and was like you know i want your resume this isn't burning any bridges i'll walk you out um at that point the designer and their assistant were sick of it were so like disgusted with williamstown um So we were all given this false sense that things, things had changed, things, uh, things were different. Uh, We care now.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, so this was kind of like a, it sounds like a a bit of like a trickling walkout. There was you and the other over hire and then 30 minutes ish later. Right, so Uh
1: there was, there was four people or five people on the sound team that were like lower level. The audio engineer who was the board op um, actually came with the designers. So she kind of had a little bit more protection like with the designers on her side. Um, but one of the overhires um, mm-hmm. that day was like ready to quit pretty much like hours before was, like, I am ready to, like, go home, so I was doing a lot of, like, emotional labor, trying to, like, mediate how people were feeling and stuff, so I talked to the managers, and I was, like, this person is ready to walk, you should give them the night off, because they're at wit's end, so two of the workers that night were already, already had the night off, because they were exhausted. Um, And a lot of these, a lot of these kids, I don't want to say kids because I am also around their age, but uh, a lot of them are very fresh out of the industry and like had never worked a professional gig at this level. So they're thinking, is this what theater is like? Is this how it always is? And uh, many times when I was there, I was saying, this is the worst experience I have had. Like, this is not what the industry is like. You will find people that, or it can be what the industry is like, but you will find people that are on your side and that won't treat you like this. Um, So it had been two people at home that kind of walked out because they were already there. Um, And then I walked out with the other over hire so who's, who's like calling
3: the shots that you guys should go out and uncover things and recover things and stand outside in the lightning, not like the name, but right. the artistic director, the stage manager, the production manager, So some combination probably.
1: Normally the artistic director was not calling shots. Normally she was not that involved. And normally, unless the artistic director is the director for that show, that's not normal. But that day there was such a push that we can't, we can't cancel today. We can't like we're gonna lose more money. We're gonna these tickets were selling for $90 a seat. Um so she was making, she was calling the straws the artistic director for a lot of it. Um, the technical director was trying to call the shots. And I wanna give the technical director the benefit of the doubt in saying that they had never done theater at this level. And a lot of the people in management who had not been there years before were put into such an awful situation and set up for failure. Sure. So I would say most of normally the artistic director is not to blame for safety concerns, but this was both artistic director and technical director. The production manager at this point was more of a carpenter because they were so in over their heads with that set in the water (laughs) Is
3: there, is there stage crew out there and wardrobe crew and Oh and my gosh, the lighting. stage
1: crew, the setup for that, they had uh, like wader boots originally to set up and they realized that water was getting into those boots. So then they bought everybody Crocs. So these poor like college kids were wading through this disgusting water Uh, It it, it turned out disgusting because they didn't think about the chemistry of the paint that they were putting in there with, so it was gross. And they were basically like swimming in it at some point shoulder deep in this disgusting water, uh, which we took pictures of and sent it to some safety people, I think. (laughs) Um, But there were so many things that were wrong on so many levels um with the setup of that show
2: anyone that knows me knows the look on my face let me just say that outright
3: yeah (laughs) was there ever any conversation and maybe this wasn't even possible given what you just described of just letting the actors perform with no no sound support no just actor stand on stage perform we can't get the tech for this show going
1: yeah, so I think that there, the way that the sound system was set up and the way that everything was set up, it was like higher ups said, let's put a musical on water exposed to all of the elements and then didn't think about it until a month before they were supposed to. So... There were a lot of last minute changes. Um, and there there is a really well-written anonymous letter from one of the designers of Roe explaining how it was from a designer perspective and how frustrating it was to have to change their creative and artistic plan um, due to lack of planning. Um, so, I think a lot of there there definitely was many ideas thrown out like what if we don't do this what if we change it this way um so artistically technically it was a nightmare
2: <laughs> and, you know I, I feel like I feel like we've veterans in the industry have been in some some like Analogous situation at some point, some show, some project went so sideways. You're just like, we we need like, where do we even go from here, right? And 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 I think back to a situation I alluded to earlier in the podcast where I didn't have the support of my higher ups, and and that is what sort of led to it going so sideways. Um, you know, i i I don't want to like. Uh, I don't want to discount what you're saying, but I'm I'm sure that the TD and the artistic director have a different side of the story. And, and like, there's pressures that all that everyone is under. Everyone's got a boss, right? So the artistic artistic director has the board to answer to, and so on, depending on the org structure. Blah blah blah. Um, but that's crazy.
3: So, So Mary, I think what's interesting about what John said is like, everyone has a boss, right. And somebody to answer to and pressures. So you also had a boss in this situation as did every member who walked out with you. So what, what was that moment just total? I can't do this anymore. Or was there like a sense of courage that you had inside that said, I have to walk out. That's the only way to go for so,
1: Yeah, we had, I had talked multiple times as a joke to my direct boss about doing a walkout and joking like, oh, imagine the New York Times articles of Williamstown Theater Sound walks out.
2: Um, I think you meant the podcast. Yes. <laughs>
1: yes right,
2: that's- <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Uh, Yeah, so, it had been a conversation casually for a while so I did feel the courage in knowing that we were talking about it and we were we the overhire that walked out with me we made an agreement on one of our days off if we do hit a breaking point we will allow ourselves so, that night or that evening we looked at each other and we were like i think this is it like i think this is when we do it um so it was hitting a big breaking point but it was also knowing that i had the support of the people around me and once the designer came to me also supporting that was when kind of fear was out the window and i was like all right we're we're doing this I also hadn't mentioned that this was my last day contracted. So I was really going out with a bang. Somebody already joked with me that day, like, oh, what are you going to do for your last day here? (laughs) So, yeah, a little mixture of both.
2: It's brave. It's brave. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to joke or downplay it. Like, that's brave. Sure it
3: is, and I think I think as someone who sits in a position with some amount of power, although as we all know, every everyone has a boss, right? Um, it it just seems right now that it's always the positions with the least power; those people find the most courage.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think um, that was one thing I really enjoyed working with my direct boss and his assistant. And we had a lot of really good conversations about the politics of um, this walkout and having to actually deal with the aftermath of it. Um, Because when I left, when I walked out, that was my last chapter with Williamstown. But they had to deal with the aftermath of talking to upper management and actually uh, working out contract deals. And um, so a lot of that, they did a lot of work behind the scenes that I don't feel comfortable with and I don't love. My least favorite part of this job is the politics Mm -hmm. and having to present yourself as somebody that you're not. So I'm grateful that I did have somebody that was admit like admitted that I'm not comfortable doing that like courageous act, but I will support you in, um, in the background, but they were really doing really important work getting the pay increases and, and people criticize the pay increase being so small and a lot of things but you know. Had we not done it it would have stayed the same so.
3: right so so pay increase and what else happened after in the aftermath if you can talk about that a little bit
1: yeah uh, I was getting emails from uh, there was a the artistic director of Williamstown has a really good PR team um, and they did a lot of emailing saying, please do not talk more about what has happened. I don't want to see social media, basically saying be the bigger person and stay quiet. (laughs) Um, So that was interesting for me to at this point, be an outsider looking in. Uh, I was very surprised to find out that they didn't take me off of their email list. So I got every single email update of every single day, every single little problem they had. Um, they, I, I felt very left out of the conversation at that point because I was just the agitator and then the managers were doing the actual conversations um, with the artistic director, the technical director, the production manager. Um, At that point, all of the teams, both sound props, electrics, carpentry, they all came together and made their arguments and agreements. Um, All of the managers got their salaries got pay bumped as well um so they were all working together at that point and i believe it took about a month after the fact to really get things like hashed out um and they all left about a week ago a week and a half ago to and i don't know who's gonna come back
3: (laughs) i assume somehow the show opened
1: the show did open it um It opened, it went fine, I think. They had to cancel a lot of performances due to weather. Um, I even, looking back, it's wild to me to know that they did a show without any roof at all. Because now I'm doing a show that's with kind of like a pop-up stage. Um, And there are a lot of aspects that are pretty miserable, but having the actors out there with the beaming sun or even a light drizzle, it just adds so many incredibly difficult aspects to it. Um, The show itself was a nightmare. Usually water shows are a nightmare. I was not told that it was going to be a show with water because my resume has water shows on it i've done shows with pools on the stage before um and then when i arrived the manager goes oh yeah so this is on a reflection pool and i go i'm sorry (laughs) nobody told me that aspect of it um so yeah it was discovering new things every day
0: well i definitely want to go go back mary and and say congratulate you on all the courage that you had uh, to do it uh, as well as the rest of your audio crew Uh, like you talked about the the overhire that walked out with you but ultimately the rest followed uh, the managers and designers and I think it's worth shouting them out as well uh, because I I definitely understand that line that uh, they gave you of like I support you to walk out, and I wish I could myself, but right. I can't. Right? So as I can, I can definitely sympathize with that position, with that statement. Uh, you know, that's that's kind of like a world that we come from. So for them to say that to you, and then ultimately walk out themselves, that's that's huge. And within our own production world, I, I think we can all agree here. Like sometimes there's organizations in which there's a little bit of the divide between the design team and the technicians, right? So there's, there's times where the designers will kind of just look away to what a technician might be doing and not necessarily support them. So also major shout out to the designers for equally supporting you uh, for acknowledging the position that you are in, in your career, in your current state of life and, and say, Hey, we're not you're not burning a bridge here by doing this. Um yeah. not only am I going to support this moment, I'm just going to support the rest of your career as well. Mm. Um so that's that's huge. That's huge. Um regarding the the PR team and that messaging that you received there of, of be the bigger person and you know all I got to say there is there's two schools of thoughts. You know, there is the the bigger person and kind of hush up and You know, some people would say that that's supporting the problem, right? Because you're nobody's going to know about it. Nobody hears about it. Therefore, next crop of festival people are just going to fall into the same problem because nobody heard. Um, And then there's the other school of thought of like, no, we need to we need to share this to to warn our our future technicians that are coming out there uh, to warn people and to educate others to educate those very people that are saying you need to be the bigger person, one could easily turn around to to them and just say, you need to open up your ears and and listen more to what's happening. Um, Listen to what your team is telling you and uh, you could learn something, you know? Um, I'm not necessarily gonna take this platform right now to dispute as to who's right or wrong. That's a whole nother episode. That's a whole nother argument. Uh, just, just illustrating that there's two schools of thoughts and our listeners can choose what side they want to be on. I I think it's clear what side that we're on here. Um,
2: I I also want to add, sorry to cut you off, Herman, but mm -hmm. I want to add that, like, if the artistic director or the TD or anyone else from Williamstown wants to come and tell their side of the story, we're totally open to it. and, And, you know, I, I completely sympathize and don't doubt what you're saying, Mary, but.
1: Oh yeah, I, no, I I think hearing from them would be very interesting. I heard some of some people's uh, stories um, as things began to unfold and I would be really interested to hear what people have to say from an honest standpoint, just genuine and honest.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, 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 know, yeah, yeah. Separate. Yeah,
1: so, go ahead, Jen. Yeah. I was just going to say separate,
3: but also including Williamstown. I there's a a way in which design and production, I think, is is treated as sort of secondary to everything else. Um, I think this is maybe an extreme example of, of that. Um, I, but what strikes me is how there's this, this voice that's starting to rise up in design and production. And Herman said it that it's design and production linked. And that's, that's a key to it, right? Um, where we can't always just make everything work. But I think that because we always have made everything work people who are artistic directors, producers, even production managers, no offense, Herman, um, have an expectation that design and production will just make it work, whatever
1: it is. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, for sure. So uh, definitely worth echoing the invite that that John has made. Uh, We acknowledge that there's different sides to every story. And uh, and we've heard Mary's and if it prompts somebody from upper management to step forward and, and want to say their piece, we we welcome it as well you know bring it on and-
2: <laughs> bring it on.
0: <laughs> we want to sound a little less challenging than that right. right. confrontation Fine. That. Fine. <laughs> uh, please bring
2: it on please bring it on
0: yeah <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah it's it's a little tough even even as a production manager it's a little tough to struggle with the imagery that mary has left us of of the, the the technicians with the crocs in shoulder uh height water in a mix of paint and water and just grossness uh so even as a production manager as someone managing lots of monies and 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 Expectations of the hires ups and and realities. It's it's hard for me to justify and think like that. I'm still going to turn around and look away at that, uh, or enforce that. Um, but uh, certainly, if there is a version out there that I have not considered, I'm I'm willing to hear it uh, as to how that could be justified. Um, but it, it's it's just a striking image. Um, Uh, So all that being said, uh, Mary, uh, again, thank you so very much for telling your story Uh, on this podcast, regardless of what topic we have talked about, our end goal has just been to normalize that topic. You know, we are here to talk about critical conversations and those conversations greatly vary in topic. And we just hope that us... Allowing people like yourself to use our platform, to speak your voice, to, to tell your story, helps that path of, of normalizing things and, and improving our industry. Um, I think it's hard for anybody to deny right now that our industry is going through quite the reawakening. Um, and it's even interesting to see how on our podcast, we we are currently interrupting our call to action series which was last year people waking up and stepping up to the plate and writing a letter and now and that was last summer and almost a year later we're kind of having a development of just that no longer is it letters now it's people walking out um yeah and, and Williamstown Theater Festival isn't the only organization that face that this summer there's a couple other centers out there that have also already faced walkouts over the summer um so interesting that even even that in itself uh people are just not settling people are not satisfied with the lack of listening that's going on out there um so so thank you for being a voice for even us three right here uh thank you for that
1: yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for having
0: me. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So uh, I guess with that, we will we will sign off. Uh, we wish you the best, Mary, in your future endeavors. May they be uh, free of Mother Nature uh, in all its ways, shapes, and forms. Uh, may you have a very dry season here to, to come. Um, to the rest of our listeners, uh, please stay tuned for our rebroadcasting of the call to action series uh we will go back to that and uh stay tuned for for that exciting adventure there uh john and jen uh thank you for joining us again on tonight's podcast uh and to all a good night